All right, so we're going to have a two-parter because uh, our wonderful conversation with Matt Cross, we just didn't want to stop because uh, he's such a fun guy to talk to and definitely can't wait to have him here. So we're going to do the our uh, wonderful review of uh, all, all Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing as part one and Matt Cross as part two of this week's shooting the shiz at. So definitely listen to both and uh, chime in on what you think. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shootin' the Shizat. Here I am, Dylan Broda here. And joined, as always, on the other side of this table, we have the rebel himself, Senor Starbucko. Is that how they announce you in Japan, by the way? Mm, not, not quite, no. But actually, you know how they would announce me in, in Mexico? Yeah, let's hear it. Senor Cojones. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Mr. Balls. Yes. Mis- that guy's got balls. It sounds way better in, in Spanish, actually. Senor Cojones. Yeah. Mr. Balls is, is not a cool name in English. <laughs> no, no. Senor Cojones sounds like a... He, sound, he sounds like a big boss. Yeah, total. Yeah. That, that's a street fighter, street fighter alpha two boss, whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore, but... We just had uh, on the weekend, watched it live at your pad, uh, Double or Nothing by AEW, their first, their inaugural pay-per-view. And uh, yeah, we I would think we were up till 7 o'clock in the morning at least watching that sucker. And uh, definitely some highs and some lows, but uh, all in all, I mean, I thought it was quite a good, quite a good pay-per-view, a good experience anyway. Yeah, I think they cracked the door open on this one. Yeah. The thing is that, I mean, production value-wise, very good. I mean, it was like really up there, production Mm. values. I mean, it's great. And the thing is, Keith Mitchell, they signed Keith Mitchell, the uh, one of the former producers of World Championship Wrestling from back in the day. He was with the NWA back before that. And so, you know, he knows his shizat. That's right. And uh, it shows in the product. The thing that, you know, with this Double or Nothing pay-per-view, all of the lead and hype, they were saying that they're going to be like an alternative to WWE, right? They were saying that they're going to be, you know, they're they're going to start something new and this and that and the other thing. To be honest, before the, like, last three matches, okay, first of all, the last three matches made the show. Yeah. But everything leading up to the last three matches, I thought was a poor attempt to be WWE. Yeah, there were some some little things there that were a little bit worrying, I guess, at the start. And, um, I mean, I was just, uh, just before, I guess, as we were setting up for this podcast today, I was listening to what Jim Cornette had to say, and I, uh, caught his thoughts on the Battle Royal, which was the, the, uh, first match on this, uh, I guess on the pre-show, the buy-in, so free for everybody to watch. And he was, uh, he was giving it a lot of shiz at because this is the first thing anybody will have seen uh, in an AEW ring. That's so it. He, his yeah. idea was this has to knock it out of the park. This has to be the first impression. And yeah. he wasn't um, he wasn't too loving it. And I think uh, it was obvious to me that he wouldn't because uh, to me, this battle royal was a lot of, um, well, I'll say it like I saw it, where it's a bunch of buddies, friends of the key people involved, the elite, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, and giving them a shot, you know, Hey, come on, jump in this battle Royale. They even teased, um, David Arquette 
he wanted a card to come into that, uh, but they were already booked and they didn't know who he was or whatever. They had a comedy spot with him on a, their, their online show. And, uh, thing was, it was a lot of, um, uh, what Cornette calls this, uh, renegade wrestling where it's like, um, uh, trying to be the opposite of classic wrestling, you know? Well, you know, I'll, I'll say this. WWE, when they do their Royal Rumble, mm. they make sure that every guy, when they count down that the, guy, the next guy's coming to the ring, they make sure that he gets his first shine. As soon as he hits the ring and he gets in, he does a few of his moves or whatever, and he yeah. looks good to establish, hey, here I am. Yeah, that's it. Right? With this Battle Royal, I don't know who the agent was. I don't know if there was an agent or whatever. I don't know how they structure their business, but... I'll be honest, I don't remember anybody in particular, except maybe Hangman Page, who won the whole thing, uh, coming into the ring, marching down, and really making a statement as to, hey, I'm a star. Yeah. Or or that, hey, here I am. Yeah. Right? Okay, even this, you know, anomaly, this, the uh, the gay guy, Sonny Kiss, mm. right? The black guy? Yeah. He comes, his, his ring entrance is flamboyant enough because he's shaking his hips like a woman. Yeah. Now, but once he hits the ring, he did nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He was like completely forgotten the moment that he stepped into the ring until he did that one spot right before he got thrown out with Tommy Dreamer where, yeah. he's, where he's got Tommy Dreamer with the, in the head scissors from behind and, and, and he's uh, running his face into his butt. Yeah, well. You know, and the thing is that that was the only thing from Sonny Kiss in the whole match and it's a good example. I'm just I'm using his in a, yeah, yeah, of course, using yeah. the guys. That an was example. a pretty flashy spot in that way that you, yeah. you're like you're saying you're gonna not forget it, but is it, it maybe it was placed in a bad spot? And if that's his whole thing, you know, it, well, he yeah. got dumped immediately thereafter. Yeah. My, my point being here that now, first of all, it's just like when you make your entrance into this, like the first match, like Corny said on the yeah. card, right? Mm. You better damn well sure the world, or make sure that the world takes notice. Yeah. And like I said, I just, except for Hangman Page, nobody caught my attention. Okay, this Luchasaurus, he was there, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. but then again, he's big and he's unique. Yeah. So he stands out. And then they had the one fat guy, I forget his name, but I mean, the guy was like his basically as wide uh, as yeah. he was tall. But uh, Ace Romero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, same thing, just like as, you know, as a visual, the guy's just freakishly, you know, proportioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he kind of stands out. Otherwise, but honestly, your work has got to stand out. Mm. That's the whole thing. Not your look, not your gimmick. At the end of the night, it's your work that yeah. gets you over. I think that uh, this was, in a lot of ways, like I, I kind of, maybe on paper, this sounds like a, a really cool idea where you have just a, a freak show, you know, pardon the term, but I mean, wrestling is a freak show, right? Uh, at to least, a large extent, yeah. yeah. Uh, in a way, I guess, yeah. But um, you got the guy with no legs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which Cornette had a problem with. Not that, hey, every, you know, all power to the guy. He's uh, supposedly a double amputee. And, um, you know, he did some pretty impressive stuff for a guy with no legs, right? But should would he be allowed to compete in the UFC, right? Yeah, well, the, and also if you think, like, how far... You got to be a damn creative genius, by the way, to, to book this guy... Uh, like regularly, you know, yeah, it, like yeah. in programs from mm. one program to another. 
and, and without having the thing run its course damn quick. Because the thing is, yeah. and, and this is no knock on the guy. No, I, I was right? impressed by the guy, you know, but my, I guess the thing is like, um, it's just, it, it kind of hits that like, just as you, I guess you're about to say, so I'm cutting you off here, but uh, yeah, like, uh, where do you go? Yeah, where do you go? Mm. Because, you know, there's only, there's only so many spots, you know, for example, that, yeah. you, that you can do with a guy. Uh, who's handicapped in to that extent. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Zach Gowan, we talked about this earlier, you know, like in a couple episodes ago, but WWE, they had this guy, Zach, Zach Gowan, who was on one leg. He had his other leg amputated and, uh, he did some pretty phenomenal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but now we got a guy with no legs and, and, uh, you know, there's, there really is. Dustin Thomas was his name. Yeah, Dustin by the way. Thomas, you yeah. know, and, and all the power to him. You know, guys, you know, the fact that he's wrestling and and the fact that he that he wants to be in there and do it and all the you know I nod you know I tip my hat nod my yeah. head right it's it's uh, bravo, but like I said, how far can you go in you know and who can you program the guy against or program him with so that it doesn't run its course like that he as an attraction doesn't run it his course yeah. uh, prematurely. It's true. And then the other thing is like, uh, uh, can that guy be a, and again, we're, I, I guess we're trying not to be, we're just using this guy as an example. Um, but Sunny Days was the uh, kind of guy painted uh, yellow, uh, kind of short, stubby, fat guy. Mm. Um, there was Brandon Cutler, uh, who has been off of wrestling for a long time, was a real good friend of uh, the Young Bucks. And, um, you know, all, all these names that you probably would have never heard before. Yeah. Um, are they, are they, I guess, uh, number one contender? Um, material. Material. Yeah. Who was the guy from the, the, the UK now? The guy they just signed the, the, the death core. Jim, was, Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. Death, death match guy. Yeah, Jimmy Havoc. Now for all of the hype that he has now, supposedly the guy's been like wrestling some pretty wickedly good matches or like pretty impressive stuff that he's been putting out. I haven't seen any of it, to yeah. be honest. So I'm, we didn't uh, see it in this battle royal. Yeah, and we didn't see nothing, nothing from him in this battle royal. I mean, if if you consider taking a stapler to Tommy Dreamer's head and then to his balls as being yeah. the memorable, you know, element from this new English gentleman. Actually, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, the his spot as yeah. we were talking about this was maybe the. The thing that to me also showed that these guys have haven't been on live TV mm. uh, very often, mm-hmm. you know, because I think they were doing their spots at the same time, and then the producer has to choose yeah. where do I yeah. go. Well, that's and possible. His too. spot was supposed to be, which I saw from a fan uh, fan video. Mm-hmm. Joey Janela, your your close friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Joey Janela yeah. lights, lights up a cigarette because he's, this is his gimmick. Oh yeah, they missed the shot. Yeah, he lights mm. up his cigarette and, you know, starts smoking there in the ring, which I kind of thought was was hilarious in, in a way, um, but then Jimmy Havoc comes by and stables it to his forehead and had the lit cigarette smoking there off his forehead, which I guess it sets up who these guys are, you know, and I know that they are going to be uh, at least like big mid card guys at first. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's a, it's an interesting situation, but it was, I think you called it immediately when Adam, pa- Adam Page's music came out, you're like, well, he's going to win. There's like, what else do we got here? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, it was so obvious that yeah. 
there's just nowhere to go, you know. So, well, the thing is that story wrote itself. So Adam Page winning that, um, eliminate, eliminating MJF, uh, who's a hell of a promo guy, by the He's way. He's really, he, I, actually, that's one guy that Cornette was saying uh, is is the future. Him and Adam Page, he, he's really behind those two guys mm-hmm. as that they are like, you know, they're the dudes to count on. And I, I agree with him because I never, I haven't heard a promo like MJF in terms of heel, heel-wise. And actually that was the, I think the, the first five in the ring was Dustin Thomas, the legless wonder, mm-hmm. MJF, Sunny Days, Brandon Cutler, and Michael Nakazawa. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bell rings and MJF just goes and stomps the shizat out of uh, Dustin Thomas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so goes right after the handicapped guy immediately. And of course just draws the heat. So the guy knows how to be a heel and we saw it later in the night as well. Uh, we had Glacier in this match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, you know, the funny thing is if he, you said that he was, did you hear somewhere that he was like a, an agent or then like a coach or something? I heard that he's some kind of, uh, he's got something to do with the backstage stuff, similar to Billy Gunn, who was also in there. Yeah. So, yeah, Billy Gunn was in that too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, so Billy Gunn, of course, is going to stand out because he's recognizable, right? People yeah. know who he is. Still looks awesome too. He still looks, yeah. He looks like he's gassed to the gills. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, that said, um, even him, he didn't show anything in that match that really would have, I mean, you know, you do one fame master or whatever, but yeah, does, I think he does, been, does that count? He might have just been there to guide people. Yeah, maybe, you know? maybe. Just, okay, now you go, now you go. Yeah, but. yeah, honestly, maybe. But the thing, like even with Glacier, I thought like, like how did he stand out in no way? He did some weird uh, mist thing. Yeah, but that's not, you know, that's but, not a uh, wrestling move. And, no. the, and that wasn't like Tajiri mist or like Great Muda mist where it's no. like placed in a way that it's going to, that it's going to mean something, right? Yeah. It was just, it was just there and he just blew it and mm. it's kind of like. He blew it. Blah, right? <laughs> yeah, but anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we will kill no more time on the uh, Battle Royal. We, we shall move on. We yeah. shan't recant. Yeah, well, there we go. We had Adam Page win by eliminating MJF. They did try to pull that old school Jerry the King Lawler where everybody thinks Adam Page wins and MJF comes out from the back door, tries to eliminate him and then gets the clotheslined out of his mind and then out of the ring. And Adam Page with a bum knee is uh, your number one contender going up against the winner of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, the main event of that night. Mm -hmm. But next on the pre-show, we had a singles match that I was actually excited to see because I haven't seen much of these two guys, but Kip Sabin, who's been uh, wandering around Europe, mostly the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard a lot of good things about him and Sammy Guevara. And I heard a lot of good things about him too. Um, they seem to be pumping these guys as their kind of lightweight, uh, cruiserweight, junior heavyweight, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, they're going to put these guys on the pre-show. They're going to maybe do a bunch of spotty, you know, wild stuff. But mm-hmm. I kind of thought, well, that's what they got to do. You know, hook some people in and, uh, you know, think about, okay, what are you going to see next? Because that Battle Royal, as I mean, I wanted the show to be as good as possible, but... That battle royal, I hate battle royals, by the way, anyway, mm-hmm. so this didn't do, this didn't uh, make me love them at all. But I was uh, pretty humming and hawing on this match. I, I didn't see the chemistry there. What did you think? No, no. I, the, the thing is, there there was something badly missing in this match. Um, and I think the one thing that I that was, like, missing overall yeah. 
was emotion. And let me just say yeah. this. Let me say this. When Shawn Michaels was interviewed by the Houston Chronicle uh, in that first Undertaker WrestleMania match, right just before that, he said, that was his hometown newspaper, he said that I've been able to extend my career by many, many years uh, by mastering the art of facial expressions in the yeah. HD camera age. Yeah. Now, wrestling, to a large extent, is... Uh, storytelling through physical battle. Mm. So, therefore, uh, we as human beings understand and interpret emotion, even if the sound on the TV is off, by looking at the expressions on the people's faces. Are they happy? Are they sad? Yeah. Are they crying? Are they laughing? Are they in love? Are they lusting? Are they what? Yeah. Right. So therefore, if you can't like, that's the problem with like wrestlers uh, who have the entire face covered under a mask. Mm. If even the mouth is covered, the eyes and the mouth. Yeah. Like El Santo back in the day. Right. Yeah. Right. That it's so much harder yeah. to get over because then you have to tell the entire story through body language yeah. alone, through your limbs and your body itself. That's hard. Yeah, and that requires a master. Yeah, yeah. Now, even Rey Mysterio, as damn good as he is, has his mouth and his eyes yeah. uncovered. So even though he has a mask, it doesn't cover the most important features of his face. Yeah, that's right. The emoting features. Yeah, and that's where Sin Cara falls short. Mm, yeah. Because right? all you can see is his eyes, but you can't see the mouth. Mm, mm. Big difference. Yeah. Okay, so now we get back to this match. Kip Saban and Sammy Guevara. No masks, by the way. No masks, but no expression. And yeah. the thing is, if you look like you have no urgency, you have no piss and vinegar, mm. you have no anger, you have no ferocity, fury, whatever, you're not selling me shizat. Yeah. And these guys didn't sell me shizat. All I saw was an acrobatic display. Tell me a damn story. You failed to do so. Sorry. Next. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I would say actually it didn't even deliver that much on an acrobatic display until the last few minutes of the match. And I think they tried to do some uh, chain wrestling, some shooting, and uh, it was it wasn't believable. Uh, unfortunately, and I, from what I've heard, these guys are great, uh, but maybe they didn't gel. There was something off. Uh, I think you even said it too, that, uh, there was a few little, I mean, you're, you're a master. I would, I would say in, in the art, mm. especially of chain wrestling. I mean, the, the stuff that you do on the mat is like, uh, you know, maybe I'm kissing well, ass here, no, but well, it's I mean, a catch, it's a thing, catch, catch. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Thing, uh, no. You know how to do it. You're trained by the people mm. who know how to do it. And, uh, and then, you know, it's just, it's a case of actually applying yourself and believing in what you do because yeah. if you treat it just like an exhibition, well, it's going to come across to your audience mm. as an exhibition. Now, if you treat it yourself, like it's legit 100% right down the middle, it's a competition and you're in there fighting for your life, that's going to translate too, yeah. right? So the things, that's that's why I think that like when when I get in the ring, I always treat my matches like they are fights, yeah. right? And the thing is like, that's why if you got a limb sticking out, if you got an arm sticking out, if, you're, if your head is popped up or whatever, I'm going to grab that yeah, thing, yeah. right? So, because that's what wrestling is. And I think, you know, uh, I'm going to get into this in the main event uh, later on as we, as we talk in terms of my thoughts, but... Uh, I think that uh, the wrestling community uh, has somewhat forgotten 
about it and have more so embraced this show element and are are even to the point of forgiving uh this um this fight element the like the desperation element they they've like forgiven it uh for the last few years to the point where they have forgotten that it's supposed to be there and uh to me this needed that if it had that element of like you know because both of these guys were depicting that they were heels and uh, there was no build up really to this match uh but they were you know they were both uh dickheads who think that their shizat don't stank you know and th- that's the problem with this pay-per-view the the real problem here was that and and I guess you heard from somewhere cuz you're the one that told me yeah that Cody and company don't really believe in the old heels and faces you know division of talent yeah i think he he uh, took his words back uh, after he said it, because he got a little bunch of people ragging on him. But I think he tried to fumble it out uh, that the traditional heels and faces thing, um, you know, but then then I don't know what are they going to do, because there was clearly heels and faces on this show. Uh, and I know, you know... I, were there were there really? I well, mean, except for the main event. I mean, like, tell me honestly, what in what matches did you see a clear heel and a face? Yeah, well, hey, now that you put me to the wall here, I mean, uh, no, honestly, I guess Chris Jericho was the only, and MJF, you know, MJF right. and Chris Jericho are that's the heels. right, yeah, that's it. That, that, that they were the only damn two, yeah. Because I mean, uh, you, you know, you could you could say that that Aja Kong and uh, Awesome Kong could be uh, considered heels, but it's a heel as in just a total uh, like a quote unquote badass, you know, that these. Uh, huge women are, you know, not uh, generically good looking and they're just huge and they're just going to beat the crap out of you without any regard for the rules. You know, that's kind of, um, that's not super heel. That's just a badass, I guess. Well, that's it. You know, and uh, you have, I mean, uh, yeah, now that I look at it, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, let's see how it, let's see how they progress, of course. But uh, here you had two guys who thought their shizat don't stink, as I said, and uh, I didn't. I wanted to see them getting more and more uh, emotion with each other. They had ten minutes, and I think you hit ten minutes is enough to to. That's a lot of time in a lot of ways these days, you know. It's enough time because the thing is, if you're just doing like the spotty style of wrestling, yeah. you're filling so much time with so much movement yeah. that, uh, you know, you really do have enough time to tell a story. Yeah. But the thing is, the emotion was missing. And when you're missing emotion, it's it's much like Ricochet versus Will Ospreay a few years yeah. ago at that Super Junior. Will Ospreay, has, he's gotten so much better since then because he's learned how to sell and he's learned yeah. how to, to uh, elicit emotion and, and to show emotion. Mm. Um and like I said, that match this year with uh, Osprey and what was his name, uh, Ibushi, Kota Ibushi, yeah. you know, it was one of the best matches I've seen in a long time from, was, from, the, from that good. junior type yeah, or yeah. cruiserweight style division, yeah. right? If so much passion and uh, like ferocity, yeah. Yeah, it was ferocity. Fero- it was ferocious. ferocious. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word. I mean, and if you consider it that word, just take that word and apply it now to this Kip Sabian and, and Guerrero match or whatever, Guevara, yeah. right, Sammy Guevara. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, it's light years. Yeah. You know, the difference is light years away. Yeah. Well, they got a lot to learn and, and, uh, you know, I do see, of course, uh, definite potential, you know, the guys are athletic and, and wonderful and hopefully if they get, uh, 
under the wing of guys like Dean Malenko or, you know, even Glacier and, and, um, uh, Billy Gunn and, and those mm-hmm. guys, Chris Jericho, you know, mm-hmm. if they can, if they can take feedback, you know, then, uh, they could, you know, they can do some stuff, but, uh, we're going to get, I guess, into the, the main card, the mm-hmm. meat and potatoes of this, uh, this bastard of a pay-per-view, as in bastard is a good and bad word, I don't know, but... Uh, but it was good, because it's, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's it's the beginning, honestly, it's the beginning of something new. That's true. It, it's, it's, That's true. it's a new era, it's a new day, and the things, they've already got a new television deal with Time Warner, Yeah. so starting in November. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I mean, in that aspect... All good, you know. At the okay, because the thing is, you can't expect everything to be rock solid from top to bottom. Because yeah. the thing is, they didn't have the depth as as we are yeah, you know, going yeah. through right here, uh, except in the last three matches to really leave that lasting imprint. Because you know, the last three matches were like it, that was the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Right? But you know, uh, and a- along with that, the the last three matches were really the only three that they had uh, that they built. They they yeah, built yep. up to these matches since. Uh, January, basically, yeah. or maybe even some of them were like uh, Jericho and Omega have been built since yeah. you know that Wrestle Kingdom twelve was it? Uh, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, um, before we get into the meat and potatoes, let's uh, talk about our sponsors. You want top-of-the-line gym products? We're talking about the best gym training equipment on planet Earth. Then head on over to Gorilla Wear Finland. That's GorillaWear.fi. Since 1982, out of the United States of America, Gorilla Wear is the top gym clothing line on the market today. GorillaWear.fi. On June 29th in Rama, Finland, it's the biggest international pro wrestling super show in the Nordics of Europe. Wrestlers from 10 different countries in eight big matches featuring Matt Cross from the USA, Yoshihiro Tajiri from Japan, Sadie Gibbs from England, Jörn Simmons from Holland, Ivelisse from Puerto Rico, Scotty Davis from Ireland, Starbuck from Canada, Heimo the Wildman Ukonselka from Finland, and Mako Satomura from Japan. Part of ticket proceeds will go to the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Foundation, Lihas Tautilito. Be a part of the biggest international pro wrestling super event in Northern Europe this summer. Tickets now available through Ticketmaster Finland. Get yours today! Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. We are having the uh, phenomenal Matt Cross on the show with us today. Via, I guess, a a internet call of some sort, Skype or whatnot, and um, 
He is going to be joining us in Finland, actually, at WrestleAid in Rauma. That's right. uh, You give the details to that big-ass show. Well, that is the biggest international professional wrestling super extravaganza of the summer in Northern Europe, period. There is no bigger show in all of Northern Europe, possibly in all of Europe. I mean, if I don't know exactly what all is going on throughout Europe this summer, but we're talking about 10 nations. We have Yoshihiro Tajiri from Japan on the card. Uh, We have Meiko Satomura from Japan on the card. We have Ivalice Velez from Puerto Rico on the card. We got Sadie Gibbs from the UK. We got so many people, uh, like we're talking star power up the arse, including Matt Cross and, uh, you know, of course, not forgetting the best from Finland, Hamo the Wildman, Ukon Selka, Starkatter, myself, and uh, amongst others. So anyway, the thing is that uh, on July, or sorry, June, June 29th in Rauma, Finland, that is on the west coast of the country, uh, Wrestle Aid, where we raise money for the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Association, and uh, because one of my co-promoters, Riku Forström, has a very severe case of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and uh, it was his express wish that we give part of the proceeds to charity. And uh, nice. And it was also Riku's express uh, wish that uh, I book through Slam Wrestling Finland all of the foreign talent that are appearing on this show. He, these are people that he really wants to see, especially his biggest, uh, most favorite wrestler of all time. Mako Satomura. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I I have seen Matt Cross, M-Dog, 20 or yep. uh, back, way back in the day, I guess, when he was first making some rounds uh, in Toronto at uh, some like old air, like airplane hangar or something. I can't remember the promotion, but uh, mm-hmm. um, back at that time, he was one of the guys that uh, these indie feds in uh, in the Toronto area would book to sell tickets. That was their, you know, he was the guy. If you could get Matt Cross to come up uh, and wrestle for you, you would probably sell tickets, you know. Well, Matt Cross is a big star. He was on that uh, WWE Tough Enough yeah. run in 2011 when Stone Cold was the uh, the main MC of that show. Yeah, right, right. Right? Uh, so Steve Austin. Um, yeah, uh, Matt Cross, I was with him in, J- well, no, not, not Japan. I was with him in Egypt. Oh, wow. In 2009. Mm. Yeah, so 10 years ago, we wrestled on, I'm not quite sure. I don't think it was the first tour of Egypt, but, you know, I think wrestling had been there before. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was a, it was a tour. There was Al Snow was on that tour. Sabu was supposed to be on that tour. It didn't show up. Oops. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, who else? The D'Lo Brown was on that tour. Oh, yeah. Um, Star studded. Yeah, yeah. There were there were there were several people. I'm trying to remember all these Sanjay Dutt. Anyway, that yeah, was yeah. then. This is now. We're talking about AEW this week here. And this is the rundown for Double or Nothing. Uh so the recap of the big new company. Yeah. All Elite Wrestling. And their first pay per view that happened last weekend. So Yeah, we can just go down and yeah. we'll talk mostly about the uh the main events there was yeah. three that yeah. uh, that we at least uh, and I think that were pretty much the main events. But SoCal Uncensored, Christopher mm-hmm. Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, they uh, hosted the uh, OWE, uh, I guess, offering, and which uh, was uh, Seema T Hawk and L Lindeman. And actually, this was a bit of a confusing thing with the commentary, but. Uh, all three guys are actually Japanese, although coming from China, mm. the Seamus uh, Chinese um, organization, mm-hmm. OWE, and uh, the Strong Hearts. And it was a good match. I mean, um, 
these guys put in like a lot of hard work. You know, I guess a, a good start start off to a pay per view. But you know what? Too much. Yeah, I actually probably too much. You're too, right. Too too many things. The thing is, uh, this was the like official the, the official opening match yeah. of the actual pay per view, right? Uh, now, when you go into an opening match, now once again, this is not on free TV. This is not on YouTube. This is the pay per view itself. Yeah. Uh, you want that first match to really ring a bell, right? Mm. You, you want people to to say like, "Wow!" Yeah. Uh, this, yeah, they did a lot of stuff, which is wow, but it just it dragged on, and it was too much. It was they they fit way too much content. They could have told that story with less elements, uh, and this, you know, I've, I've been in the business 25 years, so I do know, I mean, it's like somebody can critique me and say, like, well, who the hell do you think you are, like, criticizing, you know, mm. you're, you're not an AEW, no, but I've been in the business for 25 freaking years around the world, so yeah, yeah I can, um, and and that's really, I mean, my gripe here, that it was just too much stuff packed into just under 14 minutes. Yeah, I think they could have cut three minutes out of it, and... Um and cut some stuff out of it, you know, to, to save for later. Cause yeah. Hey, why not? Right. You gotta, you gotta save. Um, but I, I thought it was good, but again, yeah, it maybe ran two to three minutes too long, but, um, you know, a general consensus at at least the crowd is super into it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I really hope that, uh, that, uh, OWE partnership pays off cause it seems like they've got some pretty good, pretty darn good guys. So, uh, then we had the, uh, it turned into a fatal four-way from a triple threat, which was uh, Dr. Britt Baker, uh, Nyla Rose, Kylie, Smiley Kylie Ray, and then Brandy Rhodes comes out, looks as though she's going to throw her hat in the ring. However, she makes the match awesome by bringing out Awesome Kong, which was a surprise for me. Yeah, well, this was uh, a nice return to action. You know, yeah. it's, it's been quite a while since Awesome Kong has been featured nationally. She looked the same. Yeah, she still looked the same. Yeah, I think I think her work was was uh, pretty much awesome, Kongish. It wasn't blow away by any standard, but it was. I mean, she mm-hmm. definitely was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, um, there was just uh, for me. I mean, I actually found this match pretty okay. A good, uh, like a uh, good four way match, I guess. But there, but then again, maybe it showed that Awesome Kong maybe wasn't exactly ring ready because they had her kind of knocked out on the outside for her half of the match and then that final spot which Nyla Rose speared her into the into the entrance uh, or the, the, the steps. stairs yeah yep. and then both of them were out forever yeah and, 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 uh, and, and Nyla Rose didn't uh, I, they showed the replay right they showed that the slow-mo replay and and Nyla Rose speared Awesome Kong into the steps so the steps are to the backside of course of Awesome Kong but angled to uh, Awesome Kong's left so that would be like to the side of the ring. Yeah. And uh, Nyla Rose spears Awesome Kong with uh, her head to the right. Yeah. Right. So therefore... Um, the classic got DDT'd or something, you know. Or whatever it was. But nonetheless, when I, on the replay, you could just see, well, they just sat out there. That's all they did. Yeah. Right? There was no, there's no justification for could, that That knockout. could have been better because yeah. uh, you, needed a hu- you needed a huge, huge knockout for those two huge people. Yeah. And... Uh, it was because then we had some good, actually really good stuff. Dr. Britt Baker kicked uh, Smiley Kylie in the head and it looked like it was really, it was a nice solid kick and even her little bow in the hair went flying. So to me, that was, that was great. A uh, little finish to that match. I can't remember exactly how it finished, but 
there was there was some good stuff. I mean, I thought it was. It, yeah, it was. It was. They they had their moments in that match. Yeah, you know. And the thing is that uh, that I I thought personally when that match came out or came on, uh, I thought the Britt Baker's taking it. I just yeah. I just looked at who was in the ring. I looked at like just on the surface. Mm. This is your opening event, right? Yeah. And and who's gonna go over here? And I really thought to myself that yeah, Britt Baker. That's you know she's a pretty girl. Right? Yeah, she's and, a star. Yeah, and she has the look that that is a marketable look. Yeah, and I think that she's most, maybe most ring ready. You could say. Right? I would say so. Yeah, out of all of those four. So therefore, and no knock on Awesome Kong because you know Awesome Kong has more experience, but not, been out of the game now for a while. At least has has been uh, missing in action. Like yeah. this, in the in the public spotlight. So maybe I don't know if she's been working somewhere else. But anyway, the point being that. Uh, Britt Baker, doctor, you know, dentist, yeah, dentist, <laughs> Britt Baker. <laughs> They're doctors too, gosh yeah. darn oh, it. There, there you go. She took it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, then, so, uh, then we blast over here to the best friends, uh, Chuck Taylor, Chucky e. T. <laughs> best friends. Uh, and Trent Beretta. Uh, they have defeated and Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, I'm, I was a big fan of Jack Evans uh, back in the day, and he did some pretty cool stuff with uh, Teddy Hart um, in Mexico and I guess in Ring of Honor. But um, I haven't seen much of uh, Angelico, uh, but uh, the one thing I can say, my if I were to criticize this match, which I thought it was pretty good, pretty okay, a uh, good okay tag team match, had some wild high spots in it. But I thought, again, going back to that Kip Saban, Sammy Guevara match, that it lacked especially on Jack Evans and Angelico's side, it lacked like intensity. It lacked emotion. I mean, yeah. I especially, okay, well, the thing is, like I said, I wrestled with uh, Angelico in Japan back in 2011, 2010. I think it was 2011, actually, that he came to Japan. Right. Anyway, the point being, um, I think the guy showed more emotion back then than he showed in this match. Both Angelico and Jack Evans looked like they were stoned. They, that that's actually a you know could be possible uh, to me they they looked so tired yeah and like there were some uh, Angelico's kicks that looked like he was doing like a run through yeah know? exactly yeah yeah paint by numbers and, and the thing is that uh, now once again the emotion a guy like Jack Evans as much experience as he has he didn't come across as a major player. I hate to say it. I really do. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not trying to be a bastard. I'm not trying to be nitpicking. Uh, it's I'm just calling what I see. Yeah, and this is a this is a giant show. Yeah, you gotta it, you gotta it, bring everything yeah. you possibly could. And I kn- I know that those guys could, but uh, it was a little bit disappointing that they it felt as though they didn't. Yeah, and once again, the the complete lack of faces and heels. Mm. Now, who are you supposed to root for? Yeah. How are you supposed to get heat when there is no definitive? Good guy and bad guy. Yeah. How? How do you get heat? All you're doing is just popping for moves. Yeah. But there's no emotional investment. And and in this match, there was no emotional investment. I mean, it's like, first of all, this one too, it felt, it went like 12.35, like 12 minutes, 35 seconds. Yeah. But it felt, honestly, felt like it was dragging ass for about 20. Yeah. And I know they can, uh, well, I would assume they could do better maybe. But uh, then again, I mean, it was a good, it was a good tag team match, but I wanted it, I wanted it to be better maybe. That's maybe where, you know, there was a great spot, uh, and I've seen it, uh, I guess, in some ways before where it, that Angelico has 
somebody, I, I think it was Chuck T on his uh, kind of a fireman's carry in yeah. the corner. Yeah. Jack Evans does a uses him as a t- basically a tabletop and hops off of uh, Chuck E.T.'s back and does a moonsault into, uh, down to the floor onto Trent Breda with like great, like super high spot, really creative. Mm. Uh, and then Angelico kind of looked like he was going to go DDT or a Death Valley driver, Chuck E.T., but he kind of pushed off and then Angelico kind of just fell into the corner like he, like he was out of breath and, you know, as if like, as if he was supposed to have been like whipped there hard or something, but it just fell flat. And, uh, again, I mean, we're, we're maybe beating this down too much, too much, uh, than it should, but it was a good tag team match, but then there are these little holes. And the idea is that this is not WWE where I guess we're kind of sometimes expecting the laziness. You know, the one thing with like, I got to say about Japan, cause these best friends, they've been yeah. like to Japan for quite a while with yeah. new, new Japan, right? The one thing that I know about Japanese training, the way that they bring up their young boys, yeah. is the number one thing is fire. The number mm. the number one thing is emotion. Yeah. Because like traditionally they gave the young boys like three moves that they could do in a match, right? Yeah. You know, so like the Boston Crab, the drop kick and and uh, like a suplex or whatnot, right? That, that's all the moves that they could do in a match. True. So you better damn well get your personality, your fire, and your your fighting spirit over. Yeah. Right? So you don't have to do harakiri on yourself. There and, you go. And 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 that's what sets apart or what's set apart for the longest time the Japanese uh wrestlers, even the young boys like Keiji Muto back in the day when he debuted. You know, all of them started out with just plain black trunks. Yeah. Yeah. The same short hair, bald head or whatever, and black trunks. Nothing special. And that was it. And you gotta get over with your work. Yeah, that's it. And 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 this is where, when I'm looking at this match, and as much experience as I see with these guys in this tag match, once again, what's missing is the fire, mm. the fire and the emotion, and and like that, that die hard energy. It's like yeah, like like this is pay per view. Yeah, that's mother it. hugger. That's it. It's not even. It's not even just pay per view. It's like the first ever pay per view of the first ever proper competition. To yeah. major league wrestling in That's twenty it. years or so. That's right. That's know? right. Yeah. So, so yeah, hustle. Talk, hustle. Talking about Japan, that we had the six woman tag match uh, of the uh, the Joshi uh, Japanese wrestlers um, uh, Hikaru Shida, Riho Ab- uh, Abe. I'm gonna totally butcher these names. You're probably better than than I am, but uh, Rio uh, Miza- Mizanami, and uh, then on the other team Aja Kong. Yuka Sakazaki and Emi Sakura, and um, I to me the standout, which I didn't know anybody other than uh, Aja Kong, but uh, that stood out beyond her was uh, uh, Hikaru Shida, and uh, she was I guess the the leader of the team that uh, won the match, mm-hmm. and uh, she seems to have had wars with Aja Kong in Japan. Uh, now that I've looked her up, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought she's got star power. Um, I think she can really do it. the The other stuff, the other women were actually quite good in the ring. Uh, they were a little bit too gimmicky for me. Mm. You know, the Freddie Mercury uh, get up and and this kind of stuff. Aja Kong was was good. She's getting up there though. Oh yeah. So uh, I guess she's just a big name to make it legit and and all that. But this match was was cool. But 
uh, it went too long, I think, and they botched the finish, unfortunately, with the timekeeper rang the bell and went the music mm. after the two count, and the ref was pretty ticked. But um, all in all, I think it was in this way, this, this started to separate us from WWE, where you have, it kind of now felt like WCW, where you had those uh, luchadors all of a sudden. Yeah, that, well, that's true, too, because the thing is, like, here, if you think, now the crowd didn't have any emotional investment in any one of these girls, except for maybe Aja Kong based on familiarity. And Emi Sakura is a name in Japan, right? Yeah. So, But the thing is that I think like that the general wrestling fan, they probably don't follow Yoshi Pro Wrestling, Joshi. Yeah. Right? Um, so the thing is that throw that, that this is a gamble. I mean, this okay, this was in Las Vegas. Yeah. Right? It's at the MGM Grand. There so, all right, there you go. So we're gambling now. Uh, but when you throw out six girls out on pay-per-view that the crowd has like the, first of all, they're all foreign. They've never been like featured on American soil and you just throw them out there in the basically what fourth match on the card, right on the main card. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to, you better pray to God that they don't sink. Yeah. I think the, that, uh, miss bell ring, um, was, I wish that that didn't happen, but I think that. But they it was were... both good and bad because the thing is, yeah. like, it, it's it, so. I mean, who went over at the end, right? I mean, it's it, it yeah. seemed like first of all the. So once again, uh, yeah, who, that's who's the face and who's the heel? Well, yeah, I guess you have that. You just have that Aja Kong, uh, who seems like the heel, you know. But her team wasn't a heelish team. No, no, you know, no, nobody was a heel here. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, that uh, Hikaru Shida, she stood out to me in this match, and I'd love to see more from her. And I, have, she, she's the one that went over, right? Yeah, she, uh, well, red, I'm sure you're going to see her more. Yeah, red, yeah. red uh, and white outfit, and with the kendo stick and everything, and yeah. Oh. I've seen a match now um, with her and uh, Aja Kong in Japan, and um, it was it was a classic. Like it was great. Uh, Aja Kong getting color, and they're like just beating the living snot out of each other, and I loved it. So I hope she can bring that over here. Um, and I know that she's signed a legit contract. She is moving herself completely to the United States for AEW. So well, uh, you know what I heard? Yeah. I heard that uh, once AEW starts their weekly broadcast and once like these talents from all around that they're signing, once they sign with AEW and once they are featured on their broadcasting, they are off limits to everybody else. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. So, we'll, but I wonder if it's uh, everybody. Yeah. Is that, does that uh, pertain to Jericho, Omega, John Moxley? Does it pertain to the European talents also? Because the thing yeah. is that, okay, I, everybody's going to have to get work permits, right? You're mm. going to have to get that green card. But are you moving there permanently or are you there, you know, like as a... Uh, like enhancement talent every no, once no, in a while No, no, not an enhancement. No, no, I, I don't mean that. But like, as, is it just your tour, tour of duty for, yeah. like, for an extended... Like, let's say that you do this one leg of television. Right. You, do, you do this, you know, leading up to this in this pay-per-view or whatever, and then you're off for a bit, you know. Possibly. I, I'm sure that there are different contracts for everybody. Like I said, this uh, Hikaru Shida, she's supposedly moving to the States. Well, So yeah. she's all in, as they say. But um, we're last, uh, two weeks ago, we did a fantastic band, uh, the Stoner Kings. Not the... Just Stoner Kings. Oh, come on. I love the these. But, uh, <laughs> but, the uh, Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> but we had Stoner Kings, and that was Fucked AD, a really killer song, by the way. Yeah, thanks. So uh, 
you guys got to go and listen to that. Uh, Shizat. And this week we're going to have another killer band. It uh, happens to be dear to me. Uh, the, I mean, I, I won't put a the here, but uh, nothing but sunshine. And this is uh, Honey. Honey. Skull Hot Sauce, fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce, R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce, on Facebook and Instagram. Estrada Creative Helsinki, your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, Editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. All right, so this has been a, a long shoot in the shizad. It's a two-parter. Uh, we just wrapped up talking to Matt Cross, really excited, awesome dude. Can't wait to have him here. And we're going to wrap up our double or nothing uh, pay-per-view review talking about the three main events and uh, starting with Cody and Dustin Rhodes, this brother versus brother in what turned out to many said this was the match of the night and a lot have even said this is uh, the match for the ages in a lot of ways. Um, What do you think about that? I don't know for like a match for the ages. I wouldn't quite go that far, but it was definitively it was emotional and it was, it told a really good solid story. Um, I thought that it was well played. I mean, in on all fronts, Yeah, to be honest. I was surprised that they went so far that in the beginning when Cody did his entrance, that he destroyed that throne of yeah. Triple H, so to speak. You know, they, they had this throne set up for those of you who didn't see it uh, on the entrance ramp, like just at the, at the mouth of the entrance ramp. 
this uh, Triple H style throne with the um, the cross of Malta. Yeah. And then uh, as soon as Cody makes his ring entrance, he comes down to the ring and then Brandy, his wife, Brandy Rhodes, looks under the ring and uh, pulls out a sledgehammer. <laughs> And gives Could it to it be Cody. More symbolic here. Yeah, and Cody walks up the ramp, back up the ramp before Dustin Rhodes, uh, so ex Gold Dust, makes his entrance. And uh, then Cody proceeds to bash, uh, in other words, crack the throne of of Triple H, which I guess symbolically means that this is the first shot in this wrestling war, which I believe is is like that's what they're signaling here they are looking to make a very bold statement saying that we're going to dent the armor of vince mcmahon and company and they are aiming not at the old man himself they're aiming at his son-in-law and who is going to be pretty much the successor to the throne to the throne itself before long uh, triple h yeah i mean uh, there's a bunch of people saying that was a bit too much they could have lived without it, you know, that you didn't really need need to do something like that. It was a bit confusing for me when, when it popped up there and I was like, is he supposed to be sitting in this thing or what's going on here? And the, yeah. the camera kind of panned around and we saw Brandy there and it just looked a little bit weird. I, I could have lived without it. I mean, to me, they had already done enough shots, but then again, I guess it was a fun little thing and, and whatever. But uh, yeah, the match itself, the story was... Uh, was amazing. I guess I guess people haven't seen this kind of storytelling and at least on on this stage, this like a big, you know, giant stage for for a long time. I mean, you have it maybe a little bit in NXT, but then again, I guess because this has such a historical fact of, you know, their father being one of the most legendary wrestlers of all time and uh, also quite an emotional guy. So you know, there. I, I never saw either guy as being the best uh, technical wrestlers ever. But, uh, man, I guess they definitely know how to tell a story in there. That's the whole thing. I mean, it's this was, as much as anything, a tribute to Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. I think that that's what I felt, like, when I looked at the match and the entire body of work. Um, Dustin Rhodes, the Crimson Mask. I mean, so when's the last time that you really saw blood on a wrestling broadcast. That I mean, much I mean, blood, too. I mean, gushing, gushing. Yeah. I mean, it just like literally like a rivulet. Yeah, the one commentator, uh, I think it might have been Excalibur anyway, uh, said he was sweating blood. You know, that it just was. And to, to me, maybe I'm bloodthirsty, as I've said a few times. I was like, yes, finally, this is uh, old school Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Terry Funk. Yeah. They are painting the canvas, like quite literally, and each other, you know, Cody didn't have to get any color because he had it, <laughs> he was colored quite enough. And uh, I, I, a bunch of people, again, they didn't like how much blood was in this match. There, I know there's a few comments of people, quite a few, that uh, claim that uh, they think that Dustin, uh, you know, this is now maybe behind the curtain, but he gimmick, I guess, gigged or bladed or whatever. He cut himself too deep, and uh, he he screwed up the blade job. He he hit an artery, so to speak. But you know, to be honest with you, the son of Dusty Rhodes, a veteran, I think he's thirty-one years uh, in the business. 
is that a kind of guy who could quote unquote screw up a blade job? I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, they wanted it to be a like a a bloodbath. To be honest with you, it couldn't have. To me, it needed to go that far. It really really needed to. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you. I mean, somebody had to get color. Uh, and it's, I think Dustin was the man. Yeah. I, I think he, that it was the right way to go. But the thing is that also on an emotional level, if you think of the match itself, it was drawn out, it was long, but then mm-hmm. again, it never got old. No, it didn't. That's and that's true. the thing where, as I was saying on the undercard, some of these tag matches, for example, were going like 14 minutes or, or like 12 minutes, whatever yeah. it was. And it felt like they're going 20 plus. Yeah. And, and I, they were like dragging, they were hauling ass. And, and it was the, it was the opposite here. It was like, yeah, it was a long match. It felt like a long match, but it didn't drag. No. And that's the, and that's where like, you know, it's like a good book, you know, you pick up a good book, you start reading, every book starts out the same once mm. upon a time. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, if More it's good, less. yeah, but if it's good, yeah, you won't be putting it down. It's that's like, true. it's, it's going to be really damn hard to put it down because you're so enthralled. You're so drawn in and a good wrestling match will do the same. Um, it'll capture you. And this match was something that would capture a lot of people. I think mm. that unless you're one of these social justice warriors that, that just doesn't get it, that's just, you know, complaining and whining and bitching about everything under the sun, uh, unless you're one of them, it'd be hard pressed not to be drawn into this match. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, and we had the, the, the most interesting thing for me anyway, is that Cody went into this match as, uh, like Wes, we'll call it the babyface. He was in the crowd favorite. They loved him because he he's put AEW together. He's you know that he's everybody's like hero. He smashed the throne and got a huge pop. Everybody was like all behind Cody. And then Dustin came out. And I think people kind of felt like okay, well, he, Dustin's supposed to be that WWE force yeah. that is coming in, and AEW is going to crush. And everybody was all over that. But man, did they turn it around? Because all of a sudden. People were all behind Dustin. Uh, he had Brandy hit him. He, he hit that, uh, uh, I guess, uh, revealed turnbuckle in the corner, and then Brandy hit him with the cane. Uh, I thought they could have done a better job if there's anything, yeah. you know, to show. Because uh, they had displayed this cane that Cody had got from his knee surgery on their road to Double or Nothing uh, on the Nightmare Family YouTube channel, and uh, they had they had done a good job showing that he has this cane, yeah. but I actually didn't even know that it was there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and all of yeah. a sudden she whacked him with the cane and because it has a, the dog head on it and um, cast iron or, or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, you know, and then got the color and Brandy gets thrown out by Earl Hepner, which did the crazy fast counts, but I guess that's, that's the style and almost like, I think I was complaining about it at the time, but it did give you this like feeling of like, whoa, you know. Urgency. Yeah, like, holy crap. And I, I feel yeah. almost as a referee that I was thinking like, maybe I'll speed up my counts now because the, <laughs> uh, the effectiveness there was great. Yeah. But I wanted to say one thing uh, about the entrances. What did you think about the two tunnels? Kind of like I the heels it. and faces. I liked it. I liked it too a lot. Yeah, I, I've long been a believer in the fact that you have to separate the heels and the faces. It's like opponents. You don't have them come out of the same entrance if you can help it. You know, if you can help it. Yeah. Right. Some venues, they're constructed in a way where it's like, it's damn near impossible. Okay. So whatever. But 
if you can do something about it, then do something about it. They did, which is great. Yeah. Uh, that said, now, uh, the match itself, I mean, the, the work was good. There were, there was a few, a few little bumps in the road yeah. that, but then again, it was organic. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like this match didn't feel like it was just a scripted piece of television. It, it felt like organic yeah. and mm-hmm. that's what I liked. Um, you know, so it's like you take a blank canvas, you just start painting. That's, that's it. That's pretty much what it was. And, and it was, so in, in the end, anyway, we get to the point, uh, Cody Rhodes defeats Dustin Rhodes, hits the crossroads at the end. His finishing move. You know, and the funny thing is, by the way, you're saying that like Dustin was kind of like this guy coming in from WWE where he's like, you know, you thought that yeah. people would have turned on him. Well, the thing is they announced him as the natural Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. That's yeah. his original WCW name from 1991. Yeah. Right? I, I thought it was really fitting, oddly yeah. enough. You know? Yeah. It was and, the, and the funny thing is, is like half Dustin and half Goldust. So mm. Half of his fa- face was painted. Half of it was like, you know, bare. So yeah. in a way it was a transitional. I, I really saw this as a symbolic thing. I did. I saw it as this is the transition of Dustin Rhodes from gold dust back to just being the natural Dustin Rhodes. Mm. Because if we're honest, AEW's picking up where WCW left off. Yeah. And in a way... Now with their next Fighter Fest pay per view, or I don't know if it's pay per view or not, but their the Fighter Fest show on yeah, also, they haven't released the, the if it's pay or not. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, it is on the same day as WrestleAid here in Finland. It's on June 29th in uh, I think it's Florida. But nonetheless, uh, at this Fighter Fest, it's going to be the Young Bucks against Dustin and Cody now, because mm. Cody then after yeah. the match asked Dustin to be his tag team partner. I need my brother. I need my big brother. Blah, blah, blah. And it got emotional and all this. So now, I guess after this, no more face paint. It's going to be Dustin Rhodes as Dustin Rhodes in the tights or however he's going to dress now. I guess, you know, the old tights if he's still in shape. And going to be tagging up as just the regular human being with his brother. Yeah, there you go. And the interesting interview with him after the show, they they did kind of like these scrum interviews, almost like New Japan. A la New Japan, in a way. What is scrum? The, you know, where the... <laughs> it's the stuff on the bottom of your shoe, but uh, no. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, with the media scrum, where they're all coming up to you with oh, the, yeah, yeah. the mics. All right. And they can ask you questions. And uh, they had the, the photo wall behind them, you know, with the sponsors that every wrestling company should have. Uh, and uh, they they asked him a bunch of questions. And he, he gave a great uh, interview there where... Um, you kind of get the idea that this is like um, it's kind of like the backstage of wrestling. So you're not you're talking about like you know more business side of, of things. But um, but he was he was talking about that um, after the match. You know his idea is Cody's walking up. He's going to leave, and he's in his corner there. And he had planned in his head he's going to take it, untie his boots, drop them in the middle of the ring, and walk out. Mm-hmm. And do that's going to be it for him. And he didn't apparently know that Cody was coming back and asking him. I mean, you can see that for however you want, but uh, supposedly the picture is painted that uh, he wanted, he thought that that, he said he couldn't give any more, said that was as much as he could ever give in a in a match, in a fight, and that was his, uh, I guess his swan song in, in that way, and uh, he was he was literally 
untying his boots at the moment that uh, Cody walked in there and, and asked him to be the tag partner. So there you go. It, I love that kind of stuff. It's uh, you know blunt, like uh, fades between reality and fiction. Uh, however, but um, then again, we came to the tag team extravaganza for the Triple A World Tag Team Championships. We had the Young Bucks, who were the current and defending triple uh, a tag team champions matt and nick jackson against the lucha brothers pentagon jr and ray phoenix how did you like this 25 minute i guess uh, crazy in a way spot fest it was a spot fest it was it was unique though I, the thing is that i thought that the the spots in this match and the sequences and all the different moves, the tag team moves. Yeah. I mean, once again, if you're in a tag team, if you're if you're marketing tag team wrestling, you better damn well not just be two singles wrestlers doing your own shtick and then just tagging out and the other guy does his own shtick too. You better have like cohesive tag team strategy and tag team maneuvers. Yeah. And they did. Both of these teams did. They had they had you know, what the Rock and Roll Express, what the Midnight Express back in the day had, what the Road Warriors had, for lack of a better term. I mean, the, I mean, these were all bigger teams than, you know, these guys put together. But um, the point being that uh, they had tag team cohesion, yeah. right? And uh, they they showed collusion, mm. right? You know, the team itself. They, the, the One guy's a setup guy. One guy's the, ex- the execution guy. On the tags, you're doing something that's, that's justifying... Uh, you know, you working as a unit, yeah, right. And they, these guys, they showed something that you're not going to see on WWE television. That's it. Yeah, you won't see this type of tag team work where you see wrestlers working as a unit, as a team, uh, to the extent that the Young Bucks and uh, the Lucha Brothers did. And for that, I tip my hat. Yeah, I'll say that uh, what. What I thought was different uh, to any old spot fest match, you know, and I heard a lot of people, um, uh, for the general most part, I think everybody really liked this match a lot. Uh, yeah. A lot of people said it was the best tag team match they've seen in a long time and could very well have been. Um, but what, uh, there was a few people who said um, it was a really great athletic spot fest, but that's about it. And what I have to argue with that about was, again, we have... In a way, this there's no heels, no faces. But what you have here is two teams. The story here for me is two teams that think that they are the best in the world. Yeah. And they have to prove it. So they the spot fest nature was like, we're going to do this to you. And mm-hmm. then, okay, well, then we're going to do this to you. And look how good we are. Look how good we are. And yeah. what I've, I found that it translated to me uh, well, that they were one-upping each other and who is the one that's going to, who can't kick out, you know, eventually. Yeah. And, um, that was the story for me. And, and I liked it a lot because it felt, you know, you could feel the frustration and they would pull off some ex- extraordinary sequence, you know, and a chain, these chains of moves and things like that, um, that were devastating, but, um, by the skin of their teeth, they're kicking out and, and then the other one just ups the ante and ups the ante and goes and goes and until uh, the Young Bucks end up taking it, which I thought was going to go the other way, but uh, but there you go. I guess this leads to some to something else down the road. But uh, 
I enjoyed it a lot. I, I would say it's one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think it's like definitively probably the best tag team match in North America that on a large scale, on a, on a major scale, on a visible scale yeah. that I have, that I'm aware of, like since I can even remember. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, uh, I think there's a NXT takeover uh, coming, is it like uh, 25? It's the 25th. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I guess they got a lot of, they're, I think they're going to really try to knock this show out of the park and they might... You know, wrestling-wise, in terms of what we said, the the first half of this pay-per-view was pretty okay. And then again, uh, people are going to compare it to NXT, where they got like a tight four or, or five matches. Five matches, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and it's going to be in a two-hour period where this was some crazy... Four hours. Yeah, right? so... Almost. But anyway, uh, then we go to what I think has actually split a lot of people. Um, the main event, which to me was a main event, if there ever was one, Chris Jericho ends up defeating Kenny Omega. I called it. I mean, it's did. Yeah, before it ever happened. I just, I, I believe that this was the way it was going to go. And uh, it did. Um, Jericho is now going to be wrestling against Okada, Kazushko Okada for the New Japan title. That's right. IWGP, World Heavyweight. Uh, in, was it, what day in June was it? 9th, June 9th June coming 9th. up. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's going to be huge. That's one of the big shows. That's Dominion, like yeah. Dominion, yeah, in, in Osaka, Japan. And uh, yeah, anyway, but Jericho still at the age of, a, what is he, 48 now. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I even sent Chris a message and I said after this uh this match after i watched it i said that you know it's it's real it's a real like nod to you that you don't show your age Mm. you know yeah he's doing the lion salts and everything else uh and he's pulling off a better story match top to bottom intensity timing Mm. um psychology now as as just if you're thinking of like what was the main event, like even just after the fact, after watching the entire pay per view, yeah, and you think that okay, when you, you can be billed as the main event, or then what was the standout match, like the standout match? This was it. Like let's say, like as far as star power goes, and as far as overall weightiness, you know, like so the weight of the match itself, yeah. This was it. Yeah. You know? To, I uh, 100% agree with you. And uh, to me, this was the next level. And uh, yeah, where it was. We, we saw like one of the most um, emotional stories with Cody and Dustin. Yep. We saw one of the best uh, athletic matches in the tag team match that has ever been in a long time anyway. Yep. And to me, this this was like such a fight. Um, it was like a fight to the death. You know. And that's what pro wrestling should damn well be. And the the one complaint, uh, this is actually a resounding complaint on the on the camp that is that is not ours, is that both competitors, uh, most focused on Chris Jericho, needs to hit the gym and get some cardio. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because they said that he looked gassed, Jericho-wise. Kenny looked like he was out of ring shape. And this, this, and that, and the other. And to me, who the hell are these people? <laughs> to me, I think people are just uh, they 
have, um, like I was saying uh, earlier, that uh, they have accepted this uh, hyper athlete, yeah, this or this perfection, you know, yeah, yeah perfection, yeah, yeah and yeah. that hyper athlete as well. But this this idea that moves got to flow and perfect and. Things got to be this, and and you get knocked down by a pile driver, and you'll sell it for a moment, and then, but later on in the match, it's as if that pile driver never happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. But to me, this was next level shizat because Jericho and Omega not only were they snug, but I'm sure that they were in um, that they were stiff in a in a good way, you know. They wanted to feel this match, yeah. And uh, to the to the point where Jericho busted. Uh, the nose of Omega, possibly broken, who knows? But uh, there was a great, in that scrum interview mm-hmm. with Jericho, somebody asked, um, what was the spot that uh, that uh, broke Omega's nose? And yep. Jericho said, I just fucking punched him in the face. That's yeah. what happens when you punch somebody in the face. Yeah. There's yeah. no spot or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, that was perfect. That was the, first of all, of course, the way he answered the question, but that was actually what was going on in this match. The guys looked like they were struggling. Yeah, they looked like they were in. They were desperate. That that their uh, attacks took such a weight on each other's bodies. You know, because they are the two best in the world. Yeah, and so if the best in the world punches you in the face, yeah, it's going to be a heavier hit than you know. If Mike Tyson punches you, and then if I punch you, mm-hmm. probably you know it's going to hurt. Either way, but Mike Tyson's punch is probably going to hurt you a heck of a lot more. And so that to me was like everything meant more. They were struggling. They were fighting for their lives. And the facial expressions on Jericho. There's a great, uh, just, uh, well, I mean, the stuff that Jericho was going for, uh, like that super high angle back body drop off the top rope. Back suplex. Yeah, yeah, sorry, back, yeah. Belly to back suplex, yeah. And it was like just super high, but executed perfectly, but yeah. in the way that like, I don't know, it just uh, looked so nasty. I'm happy that you got up after it and all that. But there was a, a moment where Omega was on the top rope and Jericho was maybe going for a superplex or something. And Omega did some, you know, whack and Jericho went falling and Omega just like shoves him in the face, like yeah. gets him to, and to me, that's this added little, you know, I hate you. I'm, you know, just get out of here. And you don't, that's those little details. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you know, I, I didn't hear about this. Obviously, I think that you probably follow the internet, like the the, the message boards or whatever the, these guys are writing more than I do because of things I can't be bothered. Yeah, well. Uh, but But it's good to hear this feedback because I got a comment now. Yeah, let's hear it. You know, it brings to mind that these armchair quarterbacks that are making these comments have never been in a fight in, like in their lives. They've never been in a skirmish. They've never been in a bar fight. They've never been taken a task yeah. by anybody. Because the thing is that, first of all, unless you've been on the field, who the hell are you to comment about anything? I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I can appreciate somebody being a fan, okay? We're all fans of the wrestling business. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. But... Unless you've been with your face down in the dirt, in the dirt, the mire, the blood, sweat, and the tears, you don't know what it's like to be in that ring. Mm. Now, that said, let me let me paint a picture for you. I was just at the movies. I just went to see John Wick three. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Yeah. It was it was entertaining, but you know what? 
I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete for 25 years. Now, in that movie, they run a lot. Yeah. I don't see John Wick grabbing a bite to eat at any single point in time. To speak nothing of drinking any water or any like anything whatsoever. Now, there's something in the body called lactic acid. For all you armchair quarterbacks who'd never been in a fight or never even partaken in sports, ran a set of stairs up and down 10 times or 20 times, what have you, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So just because somebody's read an article on gynecology, would would you let them do a a gynecological exam on your girlfriend or your wife? Would you? (laughs) Unless, mm-hmm. unless it was me who read the book, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, my point being, yeah. it's, it's obvious. You wouldn't let somebody, somebody who's just read an article, like in a, in a, in like, let's say a, a car magazine about, let's say a Trans Am motor. Now, if you had a Trans Am, would you bring it to that person? Hey, can you fix my car? Yeah, but no. for, for example, you know, some of these guys would have been watching wrestling for 30 years, but watching wrestling. And doing it are two different damn things. And, you know, like, this is the thing for me, uh, where if you do watch those old school matches, and even what I love about uh, New Japan style, or I guess in all in all respects, Japanese strong style or style or whatever, but the way that they do it in Japan is, is what drew me over there was that it felt like uh, guys and gals were giving it their all. Yeah. And when... when if you were, if you could go that slight extra mile to get the pin or a submission or however, yeah, you should still be dead. You know, yeah. both guys laid out having a really hard time to stand up, and the the people who can do that, because that's what happens when you're in a fight. If you win, you're still yeah, you've still been in a fight unless you're unbelievably amazing and, and all that jazz. And but this is like a, a this was to me a fight a fight to the death. And it looked like they were fighting to the death to me. And I guess people are conditioned to seeing guys just spring up, you know. That's the thing, because the thing is that they're, like, once again, I'm coming back to this point about that if it's real to you, it'll be real to them. Yeah. And unless you've been in a situation where you've run, let's say even sprinted, let's say you do 10 sprints that last 30 seconds a piece. You run as hard yeah. as you can for 30 seconds. Folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to task right now. I'm going to challenge you. All, anybody listen to this podcast, do a test. Go out to your local, let's say, running track or what have you, and take a timer. Run as fast as you can for 30 seconds and do it 10 times. Yeah. And tell me how long it takes you by the time that the 10th round is over. There you and go. And tell me how you feel. Tell me whether or not it feels like your legs feel like lead. Tell me whether or not you're still running quite as fast as the first round. The 10th is the 10th is as fast as the first. Mm. Please tell me. Yeah. Because I've been there. I know what it's like. And now in a real match, in a real fight, when you get in there and you're fighting and you're treating it as a real fight, what happens is that there's something called lactic acid buildup, which fatigues your body. Doesn't matter how good condition you're in. It's not a performance. It's a fight. Yeah, yeah. Two different things, folks. Yeah. it's And I mean, do that for 27 minutes, which these guys did. Yes. The, yes. the longest match on the show 
longer than the battle royal, you know, by uh, over 10 minutes. So, and I don't know, to me, this, this match was, was the main event, hands down. Uh, I loved Cody and Dustin and Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers. I think that they were, they were main events on any other card. Any other card. Exactly. And uh, yeah. and I think that they brought it and as they should have. This was this was amazing. And then, of course, uh, topped it off in a way with the big reveal where they saved it till the very last second. Yeah. But the formerly known as Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, enters a la Scott Hall when he, uh, I guess, showed up in WCW almost to the day, apparently. Wow. But uh, in... What was it, 96? Uh, anyway. Yeah. And he just marched through the crowd. People, actually, supposedly JR didn't know. Really? The yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I heard. Didn't that's what know. I heard, yeah, yeah. And so they legit uh, had their, their moment there, which I thought is brilliant. Yep. And uh, he marches down there, has a great exchange with Jericho, uh, Dirty Deeds him, uh, then does the Dirty Deeds on the ref, bastard, and... Uh, him and Omega brawl over to the uh, set pieces and uh, gives them the cr- climb up onto the top of there. Gives the dirty deeds on the the poker chips or whatever and uh, tosses Omega off uh, to a you know pretty nasty looking uh, fall and there and uh, exit pay per view with uh, Moxley standing high. What did you think about that whole deal? Well, the thing is that Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley played his card or cards rather well because this is the thing okay WWE on his way out I did feel that they actually did try to bury him a bit you know like mm-hmm. with some of the segments that they put him in and they they had like Nia Jax knock him out of the ring on one segment on Raw and then they had him like lose to, to EC3 in like two minutes and whatever it was and yeah. things like this. And then they did that Shield reunion at the end because they just figured that this thing just won't die. Yeah. Right? They're trying to kill it, but it just won't die. Mm. And then um, actually heard it was uh, Dean Ambrose on, on uh, Talk is Jericho, which I guess was recorded prior to... Uh, it was it three days prior to uh, Double or Nothing? But it was on that broadcast that Dean Ambrose said that you know how much his payoff was for that. Yeah, I heard that. For, yeah. For, yeah, the the Shield special that reunion. Mm. Give it to us. Five hundred dollars. <laughs> five five hundred. That's and he said that that's the price that they'll pay somebody just to show up because if you're contractually obligated... Absolute minimum. Yeah, the absolute minimum just to be just to show up for work at Raw on mm. Monday night and not be used. Yeah. So you're ha- you're hanging around at catering all night and you get, pay- you get paid $500. Yeah. That's it. All right. So, and that, that was his payoff for that Shield thing. That was like, that was like the last big middle finger to Dean Ambrose from the company, right? So, I think he loved it, you know, in that yeah. way that it, it gave him... It just made it right what he was. Yeah, it was like almost like doing. justification. It's yeah. like it's like them, you know. Just okay. Well, everybody can understand. Mm. So, um, so come AEW, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I I saw the writing on the wall as soon as I saw that Dean Ambrose 
video leaked where he yeah. was running away from those big dogs or well, whatever it was. Well, it wasn't it leaked, actually. He posted it. Yeah, yeah he posted yeah, yeah. it like, like, like within 24 hours of his contract ending. I think actually the minute. Yeah, was it the minute? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. the minute. There you go. Yeah, and he posted it. Stroke at 12, midnight. Boom. He apparently hired, uh, I guess it's in that talk at Jericho too anyway, but he, he hired some uh, social media uh, gurus yeah. and uh, gave gave him the video. He didn't want it because they he wanted to change the name yeah. and didn't want to open another Twitter account. Yeah, you know, so yeah, blah yeah. blah blah. But uh, uh, I mean, actually, what I, I was so interested in was uh, who who did that, who uh, produced that video, and it happened to be him and uh, fellow, I guess uh, now ex uh, deathmatch wrestler, this um, sick Nick Mondo, who yeah. uh, you know I, that's really. To me, it's really great that he literally did it by himself, you know. Well, there you go. So, uh. Do it yourself. And, uh, you know, I haven't, uh, been a fan of, uh, Dean Ambrose's work in WWE. Neither have I. And, uh, what I saw, and it was just a glimpse, but you know what? It was this weird passion, this, like, attitude that, uh. And in the backstage promos that he did later on, and he did a, another one that sets up his, he's having his inaugural match against Joey Janela at uh-huh. Fighter Fest. They did, they set up for the match was, uh, Janela came to say hi to him backstage before he could get a word out of his mouth. He had the cigarette. Uh, Janela did, of course, this is, I guess, his thing now. Yeah. And he took a puff out of the cigarette and Ambrose took the cigarette out of his mouth, take a puff and then flicked it yeah. like out and then walked away and... That's the setup. So they're pissed right. at each other for a steal. Anyway, it's cool enough for me. That's fine. I hope that they can have a good match. Uh, and we can see some good stuff from Janela because a lot of people talk him up pretty big. So let's see something. But uh, I... W- I wonder how that's going to go. Yeah, well... <laughs> wins and losses matter here, folks. But uh, I, I, I'm i actually really excited to see John Moxley. I, I saw him... You know, the thing is, I, I think that it was just inevitable. The guy... Uh, I mean, his roots are in, like, he's a big fan of Japanese deathmatch wrestling and he's a big Benoit fan and Bret Hart fan and, you know, and he's a, I hope that he could do proper, you know, wrestling. So he's a, he's a, he's not your, you know, the guy you want to introduce to your parents kind of dude. He's, he's supposed to be, you know, a total lunatic and that's what they try to build him, bill him as, Yeah, you know, but he never... He never achieved that, in my opinion. They Not in WWE, no. no. I mean, it was like it was... And I think it's because of, like, what... If those of you who haven't heard it, you know, just go over to Talk is Jericho. You find it on the, uh, like, Spotify and other different podcast platforms. But the thing is that uh, he's... John Moxley, a.k.a. D- Dean Ambrose, talks about being micromanaged. Yeah. So it's like everything is laid out for you. So you have an agent set out your match. You have no creative control whatsoever. It's it's laid out for you. You have your um your your promos all scripted. You can't it's not your own voice. It's the, it's the voice of the writers that write the show. So therefore it's like you have no whatever passion that you might have gets snuffed out because you have nothing to contribute. There's nothing of your own. It's like you're you're just playing a role. And that's where that, that disclaimer, by the way, at the start of WWE broadcasts and pay-per-views and DVDs is actually quite apropos, where it says that all of these are are like actors of you mm. know that uh, that the views and opinions presented do not reflect those of WWE. 
Well, yeah. well, in a way, that's a very contradictory statement yeah, totally. because it's <laughs> the views and opinions yeah, are, we are put into their mouths. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah, be that as it may, but yeah, they are. Uh, so, like, if you have no, if you have no creative control, no creative freedom to do what you feel on the inside is is who you are, like mm. to, to portray the character or to portray the person that you are. I can understand that that would like just kill something inside of you. Cause it's like, you know, I'm not the chicken man. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the pizza delivery guy. Uh, you know, it's like a lot of people sometimes, you know, they, they really misconstrue even here in Finland. They say like the rebel Starbucks is a, how much, you know, it's like, it's like a character, right? It's like your wrestling character, you know, it's, you're kind of, and I said, no, no, you've misunderstood. Michael Mayalahti. Majulati, as you'd say in English, uh, and the Rebel Starbuck are one and the same. Mm. I I don't portray a character. All I do is I just enun or just over enunciate or I I expand or or like enhance enhance. Yeah, I underline some of the the characteristics and the attributes in my character. Yeah. Other than that, no. It's just I turn the volume up. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. I'm so, I'm not portraying a character. I am. The, the very same guy. Yeah, it's, I mean, people say even, you know, in passing of, a, in a language of like, you know, his personal character, you know, that person's, you know, what the characteristics of that person. And it's, it's to me, that that is always what has made the best wrestling personalities. Yeah. Ric Flair, Jake the Snake, yeah. Bret Hart for me, you know, these these people are, they are who they are. Shawn Michaels. It's like know? Popeye said, I am what I am. There you go. Popeye the I Sailor I just thought man. he liked yams. But um, yeah. but anyway, that was double or nothing. And um, it, it was a great uh, first show. I mean, if you don't count all in. This this was a great show, very historic. And uh, they can only go up from here, I think. Uh, there's been some, in my opinion, idiots that have uh, knocked this Fighter Fest lineup saying, this is... This isn't as good as Double or Nothing. I'm like, uh, yeah, because it's is is like a Extreme Rules pay per view as good as WrestleMania in terms of mm. marquee matches. No, mm. of course this is a this is with the uh, competitive electronic gaming, uh, I guess convention. The CEO uh, that uh, I guess Kenny Omega has a big connection with, and seems like they're going to be doing this every year with with that. Uh, same company, which is cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, so they have this Fighter Fest, which is a play on some Fire Fest, which is a horrible festival that went wrong. So there's a lot. If you go to the website, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, so I, I guess it's fighterfest.com. With a Y. Yes. F-Y-T-E-R. Yeah. Uh, AEW is a Fighter Fest, and they have like helicopter rides with Cody Rhodes, you know, over whatever, some islands costing like 3 billion, or those are maybe all sold out, but it's a big, a lot of like, uh, it's joking on, uh, parodying this, um, this festival. There's a, I guess, Netflix documentary about it that went horribly wrong. The F-Y-R-E, fire. So hopefully this doesn't go horribly wrong, but it's going to be a, you know, one of the minor, uh, shows. And I, from what I heard, uh, they're, they're not going to do one a, one a month. Uh, they want to do like five or six. So um, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited to see 
every little bit. And then they got all out again, August 31st, I think, at the, the Sears Centre in Chicago again, where they did all in. So that's uh, going to be another very interesting one. But hey, if you stick to, stuck around for this long, thank you very much. And uh, definitely, if you haven't listened to our Matt Cross uh, interview that we did as well, that's up at the same time, part two or one, however I label it, and uh, shooting the shiz at, we're coming up to Wrestle Aid. It's it's getting closer every day. Um, I guess we're month a away. Month away. Yeah. yeah. Gee, Willikers. And uh, next week, I guess we'll have some more stuff. Might be about this NXT 25, and uh, who knows what's gonna happen. But uh, thanks for joining us on shooting the shiz at. I'm Dylan Broda, and over there is the old but good old. Rebel Starbuck. Sayonara, and we will catch you next week.